0: Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and today is actually one of our bonus episodes. And we get to talk about different ways in which we engage with the gospel. And today we got back Kevin Lee, who is back with us, and we're going to talk a little bit about hobbies. Can hobbies be a part of who God is calling us to be if they are approached and purpose in a specific way? So, Kevin, glad you could join us again. How are you doing? Good. Thank yes. you for having me, and once again, good yes. to be back. I have to ask you. When you, when you proposed ideas about talking about hobbies, it didn't even really register with me how hobbies are a big part of our lives and a big part of how we you know, express ourselves and such, and that there could be a deeper component to it. I think of hobbies, when I think of hobbies, I think about some of the ones that I tend to indulge in, like just watching movies or TV shows or reading comics or playing music. But when you start explaining to me about a deeper perspective and a dimension of what it could be, especially as it calls us, as we are called to be holy, and as we are created to be more and more like Christ, the things you were starting to share, I was like, man, that is amazing. We gotta share this with, with other people. So I'm so glad you're joining uh, me here today as we talk about this. But yes, tell us a little bit about hobbies. What is it about hobbies that you've started to kind of see a different way of living your life?
1: So the interest in hobbies and other interests outside of the church comes as a pastor and a worker in the church, and uh, I don't know if any of uh, the listeners have experienced this or not, but from time to time, there is a, a tendency towards, and some people experience it and describe it in a different way. For example, some people, despite their faith and long-held you know, spiritual disciplines, they enter into a uh, bouts of uh, burnout. Sure, yeah. And uh, speaking as a pastor, I know lots of colleagues and personally I've experienced periods where you, after doing something persistently over and over again for long periods of time, it's, it's, I think, natural and normal to sometimes experience this thing we call burnout, which is that you have lack of energy, lack Mm -hmm. of passion, and ability to do the kinds of things that you are capable of doing. Sure. And so you uh, kind of um, tap out, yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, got nothing left.
1: Uh, nothing left to give, and what whatever that you engage in becomes unproductive, uh, uninteresting. And people who see you and and hear you also experience the same thing. They don't get anything, perhaps, out of <laughs> out of what you had to say or taught. Or sure, I mean, burnout is one of them. But but the other, even if it's not a burnout, there are times. Um, and I think Christians experience this a lot. Uh, dryness, as they call them.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: spiritual dryness, sure. so that that fervor, that passion with which you worship God and love God, um, becomes waning, or that that you know that the mountaintop experiences, that spiritual experiences that you might have had, you are no longer there in that place, but you feel dry. Sure, in terms of your worship, um, prayer life becomes often the key area mm. when people experience dryness, where you're. You may be praying, but your prayer is rote, short, and curt, uh, (laughs) if that's an English word people use anymore.
0: Um, We're using it today.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know it. Even as you pray, you recognize, oh, man, what's happening here? Um, And then in extreme cases where you you don't even want to pray anymore. And so over the years in in ministry, I've had this bouts— periods, sometimes, sometimes short, sometimes longer, and sometimes debilitating.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: It comes out of interest in hobbies and interests outside of the church or the spiritual disciplines, comes out of trying to deal with those uh, moments of uh, dryness and, and difficulties so that we can recreate ourselves as the follower of Christ, uh, recreating that passion Mm. And and that word the play on the word is is interesting because um, recreation if you hyphen the re the re has that recreation yeah that's so, so cool yeah it is kind of cool actually and so recreation things that we call recreation whether it's sports or you know, video games are huge <laughs> the last video game
0: I played was called Pac Man I believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no Pokemon Go, not wandering no, around I, the streets of downtown. No, and- I, no
1: I never made it that far. <laughs> uh, Pac Man was uh, was it? Um, anyway, these recreational activities and how these recreations and hobbies can be a recreating events yeah. that help you through dryness burnout, sure. difficulty, and just lack of energy and passion for worship and prayer. Yeah,
0: I really like the way you're describing it right now, because you're pointing to something that can be rejuvenating, can be life-giving, and not just escapism, not just something that is selfishly only for oneself in terms of like, oh no, this is mine, this has nothing to do with my faith or, or, or whatnot, but you're pointing to something deeper. You're mm-hmm. pointing to something that is done with intention and something that does, in a sense, reform you into who who God is calling you to be. And yeah. that's, that's huge. But I, I don't think a lot of people think that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I come at it kind of accidentally or serendipitously because um, I grew up uh, out of kind of Puritan background. So I became a Christian in the Missionary Alliance Church, which is a wonderful church, by the way, in the denomination, but tends to be theologically conservative. And then... Later on, I followed my parents into Korean churches, and then my first charge and call to a church was a Korean church. But those those churches tended toward classic Christian practices, right? Okay. So what I mean by that is that spiritual disciplines are things like prayer, worship, fellowship, mm-hmm. serving, mission, outreach, and, and, of course, reading the Bible becomes the classic core foundation of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they become— the main drivers of recreation. So those are the activities we which by definition recreate you. Mm-hmm. And so they become the recreational activity that, that that rejuvenates you and so forth.
0: It's so interesting you talk about it like that because when you mention those practices, often I don't think of the word recreation. I think of the word disciplines. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines as they're often kind of labeled yeah. under, right? Yeah. yeah. And
1: so so there is kind of a hardcore-ness to them when you <laughs> define them as disciplines. I mean, discipline sounds like hard work.
0: Yeah, sounds like you're sweating. Yeah,
1: it sounds like it's a thing that we have to do because it's good for us, and therefore it requires discipline to engage them. Man, it's, really, like,
0: it's like eating your vegetables. You've got to do it. It's just good for you. you just yeah. gotta-
1: <laughs> but that's not really at the heart of worship, is it? Or, or even a prayer life or... Doing devotional reading of the Bible and all the rest of that, but anyway, that kind of classic spiritual disciplines model always existed. But when you combine it with the Puritan model with it, it becomes exclusive.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So what I mean by Puritan is the large group of Christian tradition uh, wanted to maintain purity within within a sinful world, and and they made a huge impact in the um, in the North American uh, culture and. And Christianity as a whole, but what Puritans usually tend to do is that they tend to uh, divide sacred and the profane, right? The binary world where one is sacred and one is um, profane or yes. impure,
0: secular. Yeah. Secular yeah. is
1: another word. So, for example, First John chapter two, I think it says, you know, you have to hate the world and all that is in the world. If the love of the world is in you. Uh, love of the Father is not uh, right. really present. So you combine a classical Christian spiritual discipleship model with Puritan <laughs> influence, and you got a wonderful cocktail of theology that says <laughs> all the things that the world offers makes you into the world's image. Sure. And the the things that the church classically has taught becomes the only recreating events that should be followed. Right. Yeah. And so my journey of discovering what recreates me and finding those activities that are recreational in that sense
0: Mm.
1: of rejuvenating me, driving me closer to God, helping me to experience God, comes with that caveat of guilt, oh my God gosh, <laughs> love of the Father must not be in me because I love these things that the culture, sure. uh, particularly the secular culture, is teaching me. So, I, I mean, I'm not sure how many of your listeners have that kind of background where your discipleship has been directed more and more towards eliminating sure. worldly connections right. and connecting with classic, Spiritual discipline taught by the church, which is worship, prayer, evangelism, study of God's word, right. and worship, and etc. And of course, those classic spiritual disciplines. There's value in them, and nothing wrong with them. But, <laughs> but is there a way whereby one can find recreating sure. power both within the classic spiritual disciplines, but while engaging in the in the activities and things that that the world offers that um, that give life yeah. and remakes us into that image of, of God sure. that we were made to be.
0: In just conversation with a lot of people, I think uh, within their own journey with Christ, there normally is a point in life where some people have categorized things in terms of like, okay, well, I was doing this, but it was you know, drawing me away from God. Like even those who grew up maybe in the 80s or 90s, this is kind of more popular in the church, where they categorized things and said, this, these things are corruptible. Or like these things will corrupt you and these things are good and sacred, right? Once again, that binary, that division, that dichotomy, right? And so I remember there was a a movement way back in the day where it's like, oh, secular music, secular music is going to drive you to the devil. And so, hey, get rid of all your CDs, get rid of all your tapes, go for it. And like, I heard a lot of people thinking back now, like passionate followers of Christ, thinking back, they're like, oh, what was I doing (laughs) Like that, But but you know what? I I, I was kind of rebellious as a kid. I was like, I'm not giving up punk rock. I'm not giving up rock and roll. (laughs) I love rock and roll. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to give that up. But then later on, that had to be redeemed. But in any case, if the point of hobbies is for recreation and that certain activities can give us life and draw us closer to God, how then do we discern? How do we discern that we're not approaching it with this kind of duality or this binary thing, but how do we discern what is good and life-giving and drawing us to God? And how can we discern for us personally? Because I would think that every person has certain activities that they, can, that they would be able to gravitate towards or that are more personal for them that really connect them with God. So how do we discern what's good, and how do we discern what's for us?
1: Yeah, so a couple of thoughts come to mind. And the key thing is discerning what is recreating uh-huh. and what actually doesn't recreate at all, but actually destroys what we are. The first idea that comes to mind about uh, that discernment process is, number one, to deepen our understanding of the, uh, the sacred profane kind of division is the idea that all things in heaven and earth are under God's domain. Mm-hmm. So what's the first line of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Mm. the maker of heaven and 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 earth. earth. Yeah. Yeah. So there are no heavenly things and earthly things where heaven is under the direction and the sovereign control of God and earthly things which are under some other powers. But in fact, our faith, which is commonly shared among most Christians, uh, we confess that Heaven and earth are God's domain and God's sovereign control. And so, again, the early Christian doctrine removed those dichotomous or binary opposite of holy and profane. Mm -hmm. So where we have to go is we have to begin to recognize that, okay, when we look at the world, okay, we have to recognize that God so loved it Mm -hmm. that he came to redeem it, right, in Jesus Christ. Not looking... With such fearful disdain for contamination by pollution and that impacts our purity before God by engaging in the world is is vital. We mm-hmm. we have to move beyond, I think, that duality, dualism, or binary division of sacred and profane idea. But the second thing that again is that famous line in Paul's writing, First Corinthians six, which says Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Mm. To me, it's the best phrase that guides Christians on discernment about what we can do, what we should do in the world, and how far we engage the world. So we know that strict laws. And for example, when I grew up as a teenager, and by the way, you you mentioned about uh, getting rid of records and CDs, I actually grew up in a period when... The controversy over Led Zeppelin's record
0: played backwards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have that record. It's Led Zeppelin 4, one of their best albums, and if you play it backwards, spin it backwards, <laughs> which I could do in my uh, home uh, audio system. Uh, uh, supposedly, they, uh, that you could hear the the commands of the devil directing all kinds yeah. of things. I mean, I, but the, those kind of traditions kind of exist in our interfaith traditions. But what we really have to understand and come to grips with is that uh, despite the binary of good and bad, sacred and profane is to be dissolved a little bit, there still is this need for discerning that which is good and beneficial and that which is not good and and destroys. It's a nuanced way of engagement, in my opinion, and a way that I think helps us to both experience the, the larger blessing that God has provided us with, and, and so forth. I guess the, the point that I was trying to get at before I got lost and train of thought about that Zeppelin, Zeppelin just, yeah.
0: just got at you.
1: I grew up in the Missionary Alliance Church, and they, I was very involved in the youth group, and uh, there were certain rules, legal rules about what we as Christians can't do. No drinking, of course, and no sex before marriage, of course. Uh, no dancing, actually. Yeah, I was just going to
0: ask about the dancing. Yeah,
1: we couldn't, uh, we couldn't go to dances, school dances, for example. Presumably because school dances lead to the to other, babies. Yeah, <laughs> to other activities, presumably. <laughs> and the other one, a really key one, was um, no movies. No movies. No movies. So we didn't go to theater. And this was before Netflix, so we couldn't…
0: You can't just stream it from your phone. No,
1: you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> so you couldn't even cheat. So no movies. <laughs>
0: No uh, movies? No movies. Really? Yeah.
1: And again, the idea is that Hollywood uh, was corrupt and sinful and, right. and all of that. And so he produced nothing but uh, terrible, immoral kind of stories. And so no movies was, uh, was one
0: of those things. Okay, I got to hold it right there. Yeah. What about Charlton Heston, The Ten Commandments? Come on.
1: Yeah, so there were <laughs> so there, there were exceptions to the
0: to the rule. Oh, exceptions uh, to legalism! Yeah, Wait a yeah, second. Yeah. Oh
1: man, we're yeah. on a teetering. Well, when you set up laws, slippery you, slope. You have to you have to establish so um, uh, the exceptions to the rule. So I remember in high school uh, in our youth group actually going to a theater and the theater, the movie that that we watched, and some of your audience may know it, but most of your audience won't know. And the movie was about uh, titled Joni. J-O-N-I, and it was a kind of a biography of a woman, Christian woman, who becomes paralyzed. She finds redemption and faith in God through her boyfriend or partner, who's a Christian. And, and it's a journey about redemption and claiming life when life seems to have kind of ended. So, sure. so that was a Christian movie that was out, and so we were permitted to go to that. And I remember it was a youth group event, and it was a big deal because we got to go to the theaters and... Uh,
0: were you tempted to go watch another movie in the theater? You were like, wow, Star Wars is playing. I think I'm going to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so I did go to the theaters. Oh, this, uh, yeah. this is
0: confessional time. Yeah,
1: confessional time. <laughs> grade 13. And also, had, I played on a hockey team, and so I remember going to theaters you know, with my friend, hockey teammates, and uh, every time I went, I felt kind of off, Okay, and I felt a sense of uh, guilt, and it was certainly a hidden pleasure. <laughs> um, not something that I engaged in very openly. And so so I grew up in, in that kind of issue. And so when I talk about recreation or hobbies as a part of the spiritual discipline of renewal mm-hmm. and faith and practice, Christian, uh, Christian life, I speak of it with kind of long journey of sh- struggle of how to incorporate them into my life mm-hmm. and accept those things as a, vital part of my, sure. my life with God.
0: You know, what are some of the examples in your own life?
1: <laughs> I'm going to share three of them. Okay. And they're not meant to be exclusive or <laughs> I, I don't mean to state them as somehow they're the canonical, <laughs> right. new canonical spiritual disciplines <laughs> that yeah. everyone must employ right. in order to experience God. I mean, that would be new kind of legalism or... Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Gospel yeah. according to Kevin. Right yeah, here. gospel, yeah. Let's it's, do it. <laughs> it's being written
1: as we speak. Uh, yeah. No, not that, but it's just my journey into discovering over a long period of time. Sure. And finding those things that renew me, that recreate me, mm-hmm. that help me through uh, dry spells, uh, uh, low points, and, and just um, energizes me in a, in a kind of way that, uh, that is helpful to, to my ministry and and when I do, so the first activity that, that helped me to discover God outside of the church and outside of the spiritual discipline, classic spiritual discipline, was gardening. Okay. And how it started was that I was a typical kid. Uh, when I lived under my parents' roof, I cut the grass and did the chores outside begrudgingly, only because that was my duty, but never enjoying it. And whenever gardening was done, it was always done by my parents until I bought a house. <laughs> and when I bought a house, the uh, front and back garden had one shrub, very sad-looking shrub in the front of the house, and one sad-looking shrub in the corner of the, the house. The, and uh, my mother, who's a, who has a green thumb, who couldn't revive a twig into a bush, offered to help me regarden garden the, uh, the house that we bought. And so, uh, so that's how it started. And Mom took me to the nursery to buy plants and uh, she told me how to mix the plants what to plant where how they grow and so she really just kind of uh, led me through how to do the gardening part at first it was uh it was work it was dirty and it's hard work i don't know if people i don't know if people realize how physical work gardening actually is if you really do gardening in a, in a kind of serious way. And a couple of hours gardening is a, is a workout.
0: Uh, <laughs> I think some people recognize it. That's why they don't do it. <laughs> that's correct.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it makes you, helps you with flexibility because you've got to crouch down, bend down, and it helps you with strength because you've got to lift. There's a lot of uh, physical component. Anyway, what happened is that over the years, I just kind of, every spring, I, I went out to the garden to, to redo them. And then I bought more plants and, and planted them. And I liked the way it looked. And as they grew, there was this more sense of ownership to the plants, yeah. kind of a belonging to the plants, kind of a new relationship forms where you recognize that you're the nurturer, caregiver of this living thing. Yeah. And then one thing led to another and, and the relationship, this sounds like a West Coast tree hugging liberal kind of stuff, <laughs> but you begin to recognize that I had a relationship with these created beings, the plants, sure. that I had a unique position in relation to them. And that is, that uh, I am a gardener who nurtures and cares for the flourishing of this this life. Yeah, so that it can reproduce, that it can produce flowers, and that it could it could grow, strengthen itself, and that I had a vital Right, a part in that. And then that kind of became the the spiritual focus, the the spiritual connection to the gardening. Gardening at the beginning was just a necessity that I I needed to do for my house, but it became a, um, there was a spiritual connection to it now. And the spiritual connection is that kind of analogy between God and my relationship to him and how he nurtures and cares for me. Mm -hmm. And he constantly works towards Flourishment of my life Sure So now in turn I'm flipping that relationship And I I do the same for it And the degree of pleasure And again This sounds so geeky Even even as I say (laughs) But but the the degree of pleasure That I receive from the plants That I nurtured and cared for When it flowered Absolute joy Seeing the flourishment Yeah Was a small portal which I get to experience what God yeah actually sees in me yeah you know how much pleasure yeah God sees in my flourishment yeah. which is a you know I, I'm an a- Asian dude that grew up here as an immigrant <laughs> and so we don't get a lot of that kind of emotional <laughs> stuff in the <laughs>
0: In growing it's, up, it's not a part of the normal vernacular. That's right. That's yeah. yeah that we is
1: true. We don't hug it out too often. And, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm speaking stereotypically, of course. There are lots of Asian families yeah. that are warm and encouraging, but uh, you know, I grew up in a classical Asian family where correction was the norm, expression of love,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not affirmation or sure. you know, you did good. Uh, so that language doesn't exist in me, and so that language of utter joy of seeing that which you care for and celebrating its, its being was a language that I learned in the garden. Sure, yeah. Yeah. There's that kind of um, enormously costly beneficial grace that came out of the garden wow. unexpectedly.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. It's like you get a taste yeah. of, of the heart of God yeah. through gardening. Yeah. And perhaps that's one of the ways in which we can think about our hobbies. Does it yeah. draw us closer to God and help us to? Does it depict or reflect God's love for us? Yeah. That's yeah. I think that's a great way of kind of thinking about it.
1: Yeah. So every time I go to the garden now, which can't come fast enough in my opinion, those <laughs> Canadian winters are just a killer. But uh, when I get back out there again, and yeah, it doesn't seem like work. It feels like a prayer place. It feels like a devotional place
0: mm.
1: where. I get to flip the position, and yet I feel this this connection to God and what He must be feeling and uttering to me, even as I express that feeling and those words to the creatures that I love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and to be able to hear that is just, a, for lack of a better word, it's magic. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, special, and the other the other part of it is uh, the beauty, the beauty in its diversity. Sure. Again. This again directly goes to my upbringing. Again, classical Asian family. And so conformity becomes, even if the word is not used, conformity becomes a driving force. So that is that uh, there is a certain conformed way of doing certain things and Mm -hmm. conformed way of being something, whether it's a dress, how you dress, how you talk or behave, how you function. So Asian cultures, at least the one that I grew up in, the Korean culture, (laughs) There is a conformed way in which everything is to be done and lived, right? Mm-hmm. So the conformity culture has many benefits and those amazing things, but what it can destroy and kill is the sense of uniqueness and the diversity of the yeah. individual being. When you go in the garden, you immediately notice that the, uh, the conformity rule or unity, the need for everything to look and be the same, disappears quickly (laughs) especially the the kind of gardening i like to do i mean they are like the french gardening for example classic structural french gardening is uniform right everything is same height or different heights and same shape and they cultivate it manicure it to a t that's one type of gardening the the kind of gardening i do is the the more english garden which is more kind of natural looking right where you plant different things uh, and you coordinate their placement in such a way that brings Diversity to it, right? So mm-hmm. the more the color, more different the plants are, the more beautiful the garden becomes. Sure. And so, garden became that place of again reaffirming the beauty of the thing, even when it doesn't look the same as the other. Right. Plants are white, flowers are yellow. They're small and tall. Sure. They grew in every variety and exhibit different colors, and yet each one of them is just absolutely stunning and beautiful in its, in its own way. And there's no call for. Nothing in the garden says that you must be this in sure. order to belong. And so in a strange way, I, I overcame disabling kind of correction to conform to a certain standard and to be able to embrace yeah. the different... Being that I am, my color, my color is unique and it's okay. Yeah. My way of doing things is okay. I flower later than other plants and that's okay. And I achieve certain height that others dwarf, but that's okay. That I have a place in the garden, Mm. that I have a a value and that I contribute to the overall beauty of that garden in the way that I am. Yeah, it's beautiful. Garden gave me that, that Christina Aguilera song, You're Beautiful, never did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Christina couldn't do it, but the garden did. You know what? It, It actually reminds me a little bit of the conversation we had last time when you were on the podcast about homogeneous and heterogeneous, and appreciating the beauty and seeing within the kingdom of God that it's not just homogeneous, but heterogeneous, right? There's this difference in all of us and uniqueness but it is a beautiful because that is the way god has brought things together right
1: yeah so let's take off on a little tangent about that a little bit more because there's an interesting point about this the again once again just kind of moving from that traditional classical place to finding my own voice and finding heterogeneity as a as a place that's okay in regards to classical disciplines um for example, devotions, like daily devotions. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember growing up in every place that I've been, always this presentation of the classical disciplines to read the Bible in the morning mm. or do daily devotions, I think is the classical term, right? Where sure. you read a passage of scripture or a section, you pray, and then you go off to do your work or whatever it is. That. But I've always struggled with the daily devotional. Even when I was in a Korean church where there's a 6.30 uh, morning worship every. That's right. Every day, morning prayer. Morning prayer, and every pastor has to attend those things, and so I did that for for a number of years. And but I always struggled with daily devotions, and I felt guilty that I I wasn't as regular or did them as a disciplined way as as I needed to. Then one year I read a book, and I think it was John Stackhouse Junior.'s book, but I may not be wrong about that. But the author talked about that. The devotional thing. And he said he also struggled with daily devotions, and he discovered that rather than a deer, and it was describing himself, rather than a deer who pants for water every morning, he discovered that he was much more like a camel who took a huge cup of water and didn't drink again
0: Wow! Uh, cool. for
1: a number of days. In other words, the daily devotion wasn't the vehicle that connected him to God, but rather his approach devotional approach was to to delve into a deeper study which may not have always been the this you know reading of the bible at the breakfast table but sure. but a concerted study that took him into deeper reflections and thinking throughout the day and so forth was the vehicle through which and I, that was like i almost cried reading that yeah. um because it was so wonderful to hear someone else struggle the way i have and find a different, diverse way in which they connected to God, I said, yes, I'm a camel. <laughs> I'm a camel. That's, that's what, I, what I am. And so that, again, getting back to the kind of the diversity kind of thing, is that Christian practice, without, its, without intending it, sometimes can drive us towards a conformity when Christian traditions in its, in its whole, mm-hmm. as a whole, have expressed this multiple and plural and diverse ways of expression. And the garden is that place where those values got re-entrenched in me. Yeah. Highly recommend garden.
0: (laughs) Very nice. And I I think you're actually pointing to something that is much needed in terms of we need to hear this as well, because sometimes to prescribe that this is the only way which we can grow in our relationship with God, and say, well, you have to read your Bible, and you have to, like, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying anything against reading the Bible. I, of course, believe in reading the Bible and being in God's Word. Uh, but, you know, for something like devotions, for someone who feels that, like, oh, I need to do my devotions every day, and it has to be for, you know, this amount of time, the, the sense of guilt when we're unable to do it drives us further away from God. That's right. Then towards God. And I'm, I'm glad that we're having this conversation because, yes, the Word of God does have a place in His life, but also there, there are other activities in which we can do that draw us closer to the heart of God. And it is just something that much like that is something that is much needed to, to be heard, right?
1: So it's not to dissuade people who find life and spiritual connection to God through daily devotions or right. the classic spiritual disciplines. And by all means, you know, continue to do so. But uh, For those of us that do not, there is other ways in which one can connect, and that's okay. Yeah, And that diversity is the classic expression of the garden. We don't ask every tree to look the same, (laughs) Um, although there's commonality to them. We really do celebrate the the diversity of the the created world, and it teaches us something about the nature of God. Mm -hmm. The nature of God is that he loves these unique and diverse and wildly different creatures that he has made. So that's a wonderful, yeah, wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, do you have a couple other yeah. examples in your life in which you find that is very life giving and, and recreating for you? Mm-hmm.
1: So the the other one was um again almost classically stereotypical Asian hobby middle aged man because uh, the next one is uh, photography.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't think it's only from middle age. We see a lot of younger people getting into photography like in high school they have a class on photography and i was like where was this <laughs> yeah. when i was in high school yeah
1: how it started was, it wasn't through a f- smartphone but we started doing these ministry events one that was particular was the just for kids day camp i wanted to record the wonderful smiling faces of the children and i wanted to share them with the congregation who by and large didn't witness the the events and so forth and so What I did was I started taking pictures and I had this, you know, Sony, small Sony traveling camera that we had for years. And so I started taking pictures with them and and I discovered that the pictures that came out, even though I didn't know anything about taking pictures, I was just taking snapshots of of different things. The pictures actually conveyed a story and captured a moment in a way that told a story. Even when I was present in the event itself, the photograph had a wonderful way of Recording a sense of that moment mm-hmm. and um, retelling that story, so it's like a witness. And that's again, again, connecting back to the to the scripture is that the, uh, we have we have a Bible that that encapsulation of that event, yeah, or events that when we read it and when we draw it in as a mental image that we recall, so it's a witness. And that's what pictures do. It's a witness of an event, of a story, and it does tell a thousand words. Sure. Yeah, and good photograph, especially well-composed, well-planned, uh, thoughtful photographs can be incredible in its uh, storytelling. Yeah, for sure. And so the connection to that storytelling or the narrative became important. Then I realized how lacking I was in terms of um, the skill. Mm. So aperture, shutter speed, like some pictures came up blurry. Yeah. And I didn't know why some came up blurry. So I had to study photography. And cameras are, there are lots of buttons and functions that most people, and particularly now with phones that take such amazing pictures and it does everything for you. But photography with real cameras are a different thing. You mm-hmm. have to set them. And it, it took me into a whole adventure of the art sure of it and again there's a spiritual connection that just like our christian faith and journey there is the surface like we can go to church worship pray all of that and we can be a part of the church and we can be christians and mm-hmm. that's the kind of the, the surface level of of things or we can mm, <laughs> hunker a level two three four levels deeper yeah and then there's opens up another whole other world that's the same activity but at a different plane and level and depth. Yeah. That for sure. that you get to engage in. And so I saw the the journey of deepening understanding of telling a story through pictures as a kind of an analogy to to my journey in terms of growth and understanding of God God's way mm. and how important study really is and how important to recognize that they are Deeper levels to faith and understanding mm-hmm. than I am currently experiencing. Right, and also that that learning curve, the moments of learning where you have to read and listen to others, becomes a discipline through which you are taken into that to the deeper levels of competency and deeper levels of understanding. And that's a again goes back to the discipline aspect of it. It's hard work. It's a Time-consuming, yeah, but the benefits and the fruits of um, of that engagement is is worthy, and so photography became kind of um, storytelling, which is my job, basically <laughs> as a preacher, is I'm recounting the story of Christ, yeah, the Old Testament stories, New Testament stories, and I'm recapturing it for the uh, people with whom I preach, and so that it is an art, and so there's a kind of an artfulness that I appreciated about that. And the technical depth sure. that's required to tell that story well. And so there's a, like all kinds of direct analogy of it. But the primary blessing that, again, that was discovered serendipitously without ever thinking that that's what I'm after was this art of composition that photographers must engage in to mm-hmm. take good photos. Photography, primarily, aside from the technical skills, is. The ability to see. Yeah, for sure. Right? To see a scene, to see the light, how the light shines on certain parts, and how to expose that correctly, but also to s- take a picture from that particular angle that gives unique perspective to that item that you're capturing mm. in the moment. Right? Yeah. In other words, it makes you slow down to. See,
0: Yeah, to be still.
1: Yeah, and to really examine something, to capture that essence of that thing. So if you're trying to capture the sunlight or the sunset or a landscape, it makes you focus on the essence of that thing, which you most often do not take time, spend the time to look at. Sure. Uh, or aware enough to see them. So photography kind of as a discipline in essence taught me to to see the thing or experience an event in a slow down and in a different way than what appears on the surface of things. You and I live in a social media world sure. where we react to something instantaneously. Whatever we hear, Whatever is clickbaitable, (laughs) we click on it and respond. I mean, some people have made an industry out of doing this kind of unreflective, immediate response, gut feel, expression of an opinion about a a thing. Photography and art, I think, in general, prevents us from doing that. Yeah. It prevents us to ferment a thing that we are observing, presents us with opportunity to see it in its unique perspective which you are not seeing in the moment right which then changes the reality of that thing because you've seen it from a different angle
0: and perspective yeah yeah and then to be able to share that to be bear witness when you take the shot shot then share it with someone else and say like hey like what are you seeing here yeah it's beautiful
1: yeah so you can you can invite someone else to experience the story through that and they They might experience something completely differently. And it's a very life giving. And the best thing about photography is that it's a mindful, artful exercise, right? Yes. So there is a composition rule and it forces you to look carefully. It forces you to to observe carefully. So just on a walk somewhere, you have to watch carefully and then find an angle that describes that essence in a in a way that is faithful to the beauty of that, that item that you're encapsulating.
0: Yeah, in, so. you kind of remind me of a famous photographer and he'd been known for all like some great pictures that he had taken, but then he gave himself a challenge to only take one picture each day and the discipline and patience and slowing down, it took for him to be able to do that. He said he learned more about himself in, in, in doing that for one year. And in our technological age where, you know, it, it, as long as we have memory, <laughs> we can take a billion pictures in an hour and then finally just weed through and go through. But what would it be like to really just slow down, to really bear witness to something, think about those different aspects you were talking about and waiting, being just present there and taking the picture. I'm actually wondering what he really, like the depths of what he learned about himself and about photography and in going through that. So kind of to wrap up, I think there's so much to kind of think about about for our hobbies. And I think the last thing I wanted to kind of just quickly add to it, which is in the discernment process of, of discerning through hobbies, what gives you life and stuff like that. I think one of the things you said earlier is like, you know, does it truly rejuvenate you? Does it really paint a picture of God? Does it help you connect with him and and understand your relationship with him in deeper ways? And I think one other way to kind of also have a measure of discernment in that is, is I think the verse that follows after the one that you mentioned, which is everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And Paul continues on talking about like everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. So not to be, not to be looking at our hobbies as our only source of joy or happiness or coping mechanism. You know, for those with addictive personalities, just, just like, they can easily be mastered by any hobby. I know that for myself. I, that's why I had to almost cut out video games because, because I was getting so addicted to them. And, and right now, it's just like, okay, if I play one game, I have to set a certain amount of time for a certain amount of like just maybe one month to play. And then if I finish, then if I don't, then whatever, right? Um, but I, I enjoy games because I love the whole aspect of living into a story. But I can also recognize that with my own personality, it's so easy just to get, just I can play one game after the other without stopping, <laughs> which, you know, I've been mastered by something. Something has become an idol. The created thing has become the, the God in my life rather than how does this reflect the creator and how does this fit into the rhythms of life that he has called me into in very life-giving ways?
1: Yeah, it is that. I mean, you know, like in photography too, there's a problem of mastery, and that is that the, you can get gas, G-A-S, gear acquisition syndrome, <laughs> where photography becomes about sure. acquiring the latest camera, yeah, newest lens or the most expensive lens. And so, you, yeah, you can escalate into something else and so forth. So, yeah, that, that's a, a excellent point. These are... Aids, yes, to to a connection, and so there are helps uh, that assist us in the, in them, uh, but they're not the they're not the core or the only right. vehicles uh, yeah. that we connect with God. So yeah, you gotta you gotta do them with mindfulness and uh, and a sense of self control. Sure, but when you do, benefits can be uh, enormous. The one one other thought that I I have for possible church ministry ideas, right, sure. is, is uh, how these kinds of things can be aids and benefit, and a complement to the classic right. spiritual discipline practices yes. as a as a ministry uh, vehicle, and how it might be a tool that can be used from time to time as a as a means through which it helps people who may not always immediately gravitate towards those classical disciplines, yeah. and how this can be a portal way into into experiencing God in a, in a deeper way. But again, sure.
0: There definitely can be a communal aspect to this, in which can complement the classical disciplines, but also at the same time connect with other people, or connect with our world in in redemptive ways. And I think that's you know that's part of the cool ways of dreaming about what the church can be. But anyways, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. That was a really cool conversation. Thank you. Yes. Hey, if you have not done so already, please remember to rate and review our episodes and subscribe because that helps us to get this conversation out there. We'd love to hear from you as well. You can connect with us on Facebook or by email or Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. And as always, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.